Revelation 10. And you'll just be in the dark unless you open your Bible. Everybody have a good week this week? Now, which, which weather would you like? The hot weather where it's 95 or the nice and cool weather? Some people, yeah, the hot weather. You know, they let people like you move to Florida if you want. Huh? Yeah. Revelation chapter 10. Um, my idea, again, is that this is Christ, this mighty angel coming down from heaven, who is clothed with a cloud, and he has a rainbow upon his head, his face as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. Verse 2, and he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. Uh, to me, this can be no other than Jesus Christ, and I am attempting to show you that uh, in these lessons. There are those whose belief system cannot allow this to be Christ because it doesn't fit the charts that they have made up. You've seen some of those prophecy charts where it says this is going to happen and then this is going to happen and then this and this and this. And those charts, I think, in some cases, are, are more studied and known than the Bible is. Um, because I've seen the charts, I've studied the charts, I at one time used to believe in the charts, but when I started studying scripture and just, we still got no picture, do we? Ain't that a shame? Let me try something else here. Uh, da, 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 da. But anyway, their belief system won't allow for, a, um, for this to be Christ because Christ then is, is appearing in the wrong place, according to their charts. So they can't have him here in Revelation 10, because in most people's mindsets, I won't say most people, but in a lot of people's minds, um, he comes in, he appears in Revelation chapter 4, and that's, they say that's the rapture, and that, then that proves that everything that happens here after chapter 4 uh, happens after the rapture, and so therefore, this cannot be Revelation, in, in Revelation 10, it cannot be Christ. So that's their mindset. In other words, we have a doctrine, and if the Bible disagrees with our doctrine, then we're going to make the Bible be wrong so that we can be right. And I've seen a lot of examples of that in some of the things that I've seen and studied. Uh, duplicate these displays, that's what I'm doing. Oh boy. It says I've got two displays, but it won't give me both of them. Okay, this is one of two. You see, no, you can't see that up there. Oh well, moving right along. Um, so what we're focusing on this morning... I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, verse 1, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head. Um, I don't, did we talk about that last Sunday? I don't remember. 
Who remembers? We did a little bit. Okay. Um, oh, listen. Turn to Ezekiel 1. Ezekiel chapter 1. That's going to segue into Genesis 9. So if you want to turn to Genesis 9 as well, you may. Lord, please help me with my graphics here. Who's ever seen a double rainbow? Ain't that the prettiest thing? You know what I think of whenever I think, whenever I see one of those? The rainbow is Christ. And you'll see that here in a minute. And when I see one rainbow, that's Christ coming the first time. When I see two rainbows, that's Christ coming the first and the second time. He's coming again. Amen? And uh, God says it in the Bible. God speaketh once, yea, twice. Uh, and so Christ is the twice-spoken Word of God. Ezekiel chapter 1, uh, look in verse... Huh? Are they uh, here? I'm looking up the screen. Wow, that's amazing. Because uh, I've got a picture of a double rainbow. You're right. I never knew that. I think it's your turn to come up here and teach. You're, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. The, the colors are reversed. On this rainbow I've got on my picture, the blue is on the bottom side of the rainbow. The, the first rainbow, but on the second rainbow, the blue is on the outer backside of the rainbow. Huh! Well, knock me down. Yeah, it is. Boy, I like it. Uh, think about this, George. When Christ comes the first time, he comes... And all of the sins of the world are laid upon him. But the Bible specifically says at his second coming, he comes again without sin. And there's a picture of that in Moses. Moses is asking, God's telling Moses to go to get his people. And Moses said, well, they won't believe me. What, what sign shall I give them? And God said, put thy hand in thy bosom. So he puts it in his bosom and he says, now bring it out. And he brings it out and it's full of leprosy. Leprosy is sin. So that's Christ when he comes the first time. He comes from the bosom of the Father. He says that in John chapter 1. He comes from the bosom of the Father and the first time he comes, all the sins of the world are laid upon him. But then what does he do? He, he's the high priest who goes back, he's, God said, no, now Moses, put it back in your bosom. He puts it back in the bosom. Christ goes back into heaven, and he takes all the sins of the world, lays them on the Ark of the Covenant, sprinkles his own blood seven times, and then God said, now Moses, pull thy hand out. He pulls his hand out, and now his flesh is clean like a baby's skin. The, because he comes the second time without sin. Oh, I love that. Now, Ezekiel chapter 1. Um, look at verse 26. 
Um, Ezekiel is seeing uh, God's chariot that he rides in. And uh, Ezekiel 1 is one of those one of those places that all the UFO people go to, and when they read Ezekiel, they think they know the whole Bible, and uh, they don't. But anyway, in, in, in this passage, he sees the chariot of God, he sees the four living creatures, the cherubim, he sees the wheels, and the wheels are connected by way of the spirit of the living creatures, which is the angels, they're connected together so that when the angels decide where they want to go or when God tells them where to go, the wheels take them with them, all right? So in verse 26, uh, he, in, in a previous verse, he sees in verse 25, there was a firmament that was over their heads when they stood and they had let their wings down. In verse 26, it says, and above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And let me just throw this in. When Solomon built um, his temple, the platform that he made for the Ark of the Covenant was a chariot. He made this firmament, this platform of, um, I think it was glass, and then underneath it, it has, um, it has chariot wheels has four chariot wheels. It has the, the axles joining them together. The Bible describes the whole thing. The, the naves, the axles. Uh, I forgot what the other one was. The axle tree, something. Uh, and then the wheels themselves. But in Solomon's temple, he built a chariot to put God's throne on. Go study that out. It's absolutely phenomenal when you understand that Solomon is doing this before Ezekiel ever saw the, the chariot of God, God has already enlightened Solomon's mind and heart so that when he built the platform to put the Ark of the Covenant on, it was a chariot, just like Ezekiel chapter 1. So anyway, um, see, that's the stuff that all those UFO people that only read one part of the Bible miss. Amen. You pray for me this week. You pray for me. We're, we're stepping out into an area unknown to us. We have uh, advertised. We have uh, had uh, these little, um, I don't know, I can't think of the name. But anyway, what you stick in people's yards, signs, yard signs. That was hard. And um, stick, stuck them all over Lafayette, Indiana, advertising a conference this week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, uh, at, a, at a meeting place. We give the address on there, and uh, it's UFO and the Bible. And so, uh, it, I mean, he passed it around co the college campus there, Purdue University. I mean, just everywhere. There's a big banner in the paper uh, that went in, and it's advertising this thing this week. Now, we have never done anything like this before. We've never uh, had a special meeting where we all, like, it's, it's not like where we go to a church somewhere and everybody's just going to come to the church because they come to church on, on Tuesday night or Wednesday night or whatever. We're trying something for the very first time. Don't know if God's in it. Don't know if it's going to work. So pray for me. Pray for the meeting. If God's in it, he'll bless it. People will come. The gospel will be heard because that's what it's about. It's about the gospel. 
And so just pray for us this week. All right. Now, back in the Bible here. Um, in verse 26 again, the, as the appearance of a sapphire stone midway through the verse. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above upon it. Who is that man? Jesus Christ. And verse 27, and I, I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire round about within it, from the appearance of his loins even upward, and from the appearance of his loins even downward, because, remember back in Revelation 10, that his feet were as pillars of what? Fire. And if you look in verse 27 here in Ezekiel 1, it says, from the, uh, the appearance of fire round about within it, from the appearance of his loins upward, even the appearance of his loins even downward. So his feet in Ezekiel 1 have the appearance of fire, just like in Revelation 10. I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about. And as the appearance, here it is, as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Remember, we talked about that, the glory of the Lord. Uh, and when I saw it, I fell upon my face and I heard a voice of one that spake. And so here we, he's going to hear God's voice. I believe it's Christ, pre-incarnate. But he sees, in Ezekiel 1, he sees this man. He's glowing like he's on fire. And he said, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So, the glory of the Lord looks like a rainbow in a cloud. You got that, okay? So, now, turn to... Go ahead, turn to Genesis 9. Genesis 9. Oh, I like this. I like it, I like it, I like it. Let's look in verse 8. God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you, and with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, and of every beast of the earth, with you from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you, uh, and neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. So when, whenever we see a rainbow, we think of God's covenant, God's promise. And lo and behold, in all the thousands of years that the earth has been here since this covenant was made, God has not yet, and he will not ever, but he has proven his word to be true. He has not destroyed the earth with floodwaters. He has, there are floods from time to time. That doesn't violate what God said. Um, but he, uh, so far, he's kept his covenant and he will keep his covenant. And so he says in verse 12, And God said, uh, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set 
my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass. Now look at this verse. And it shall come to pass, verse 14. Uh, when I bring a cloud over the earth. And we studied the clouds already. And we know that the day of the Lord is a day of clouds. We know that uh, there is this army that's going to come. And they are, they are covering the land like a cloud. Uh, so we know that that's associated with the Lord's coming. So whenever we see the cloud, we are to look up and see our redemption is coming because Christ is going to be in that cloud. I do set my bow in the cloud, or that's, let me read verse 14. It shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And... Uh, Verse 15, and I will remember my covenant, which is uh, between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh, and the bow shall be in the clouds. And what he's saying is, Christ is going to be in that cloud because he is the glory of the Lord. He's the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Christ is the sign of, of his coming, the token of God's covenant. And he said, um, verse 16 again, the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. So, we now have, now take this now of everything we've learned so far. And we go back to Revelation 10. In Revelation tells us that we have a mighty angel that could very well be Christ and he's coming down from heaven and he's clothed with a cloud and then he has the rainbow over his head and with all of that together already like a, a we're forming a picture who in here likes to do okay uh, yeah, I like them too. Um, and the more pieces that you put in, you get to a point to where you can start to recognize what it is. You can start to make out if it's the picture of some Hollywood actor or some action hero or some pretty place on the earth. Once you get to a certain point, and the edges don't count. Because the edges are, those are easy ones, right? We do all the edges first, then we work our way inside. But you get to a point to where you can recognize what's in that, what's in that puzzle. Well, so far, everything that we know about Christ and his coming and what God said is matching what we find in Revelation 10. And in Revelation 10, the Bible says he's clothed with a cloud and a rainbow is over his head. Turn to Genesis 37, since you're in Genesis. Hmm. Genesis 37. This is the story of Joseph. And Joseph is uh, the beloved son 
of Israel. Um, and we see that in, um, look at verse 2, verse two of, of Genesis 37. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved, look at this now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he was the son of uh, Rachel. Rachel was his true love and uh, was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. He made him, this, the, the picture that you're seeing here is God adorning Christ with the glory that they shared before the world was. That's uh, John 17. This is what Jesus was referring to. But he, he places his glory upon his only begotten son. And then we see this now in the form of Israel adorning his beloved son. Remember what God said. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so Israel loves Joseph more than all of his children. And so he's going to adorn him with this rainbow coat. So now Joseph is a picture of Jesus Christ. Uh, I won't go into it, but if you notice at the beginning of verse 2, it tells you exactly how old Joseph was when this happened. Now why would the Bible mention that? Why would anybody care? How old, exactly how old? The Bible could have said, and uh, Joseph was still a young man, or Joseph was young, or Joseph was a child, or Joseph didn't even have his driver's license yet, or whatever. But it mentions the exact age of Joseph, okay? And um, like I say, I won't go into it, but it has everything to do with the exact time that Joseph reveals himself to his brethren. It has everything to do with that. It's absolutely amazing. Because the Bible gives you uh, hints along the way in Joseph's life. He's 17 here. We find out that when he is in prison and he tells the dream of the two, uh, the, the baker and the butler, the Bible goes out of its way to tell you he's now 30 years old. And then it's telling you that when he's 30 years old, that there's going to be a famine or there's going to be a, a lot of food for seven years. And then there's going to be a famine for seven years. And then the Bible tells you that two years into the famine is when uh, uh, Jacob sends his sons down to Egypt because he hears somebody down there has food that they're giving away or that they're selling. So all of those numbers mean something. And when you study it out and do the math on it, if you know what the numbers mean, you'll go, hallelujah. Okay? You can even do it now. You can trust me and just say, hallelujah. That'll work. All right. Now let's see here where we're going here. Let's go to, ah, 
Back to Revelation 10. By the way, how many colors does a rainbow have in it? Seven. Think about that for a minute. Seven is a number for God's uh, perfection, uh, completion, God's holiness, God's Holy Spirit. Uh, how many candlesticks were there in the temple? There were seven. And that's what provided light. And to me, it's interesting that when light is divided up by a prism, you have seven different colors that when you add them together, they make white. When I took seven crayons when I was a kid and put them together, I never got white out of it. Amen? I don't think I can identify what color that was. But to me, that's just amazing. Seven colors brings you white light. Only God can do that. All right, Revelation 10 again. So I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was, as it were, here we go, the sun. I like this one. Turn to, in fact, you tell me, give me a place to turn to in the Bible where it tells us or it alludes to the idea that Jesus and the Son are the same thing, or that Jesus is the Son, or the Son is Jesus. Somebody give me a place to turn to. How about Matthew 17? Yeah, Matthew 17. Yeah, you were going to say that, weren't you? <laughs> turn to Matthew 17. What does it say? And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. That's um, transfigured means, trans means a change. Figure means the likeness. So literally his likeness was transformed right in front of them. He was transformed before them and his face did shine as the sun. And that is exactly, if I read this again in Revelation 10, his face was as it were the sun. Revel or Matthew 17, his face did shine as the sun. Those Two things go together. And they tell you that this angel in Revelation 10 is none other and, and can not be anything other than Jesus Christ. Can't be. All right? Um, let's go to... Um, well, let's here. Go to Revelation chapter 1. Boy, don't you wish we were back in the good old days, back when the screen worked? 
You wouldn't have to turn to all these pages in the Bible. It's good for you. Amen? Good for you. Revelation chapter 1. Verse 13. John is um, in prison on the Isle of Patmos. Um, they couldn't kill him. They tried to kill him. They couldn't kill him. So they just said, get out of, get out of town. And they put him on the Isle of Patmos thinking he would do no harm there. However... Even though John never left the Isle of Patmos, the revelation that God gave him sure did leave the Isle of Patmos. Amen. It's, it wasn't John that was the dangerous one. It's, it's the word of God given to John. That's, that's what's dangerous to the Roman Empire. That's what's dangerous to the Caesars. That's what's dangerous to the religious crowd. It's not the person of John it's the word of God that's given to him that when he writes the book of Revelation, when he writes what he sees and sends it out to the seven churches and then it's distributed around the world the way it is right now, that's what's dangerous. So in Revelation chapter 1, verse 13, in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to, his, down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. Look at that. What his feet look like? Fire. Hmm. Um, and his voice as the sound of many waters. That's, um, that's Ezekiel chapter 1. Anyway, and he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was... What is his countenance? It's his face. Was the sun as the sun shineth in his strength. You now have two witnesses to Revelation 10. Both of them are identified as Christ. Matthew 17, his face shining like the sun. Revelation chapter 1, his countenance shining like the sun. Both of those are testifying to you that this angel in Revelation 10 is none other than the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We're not even done. We're not even close to being done yet. Okay? Uh, what was the issue when Moses came down from Mount Sinai the second time? Put a bag over his head. <laughs> oh, Cubby, I'm going to pray for you. I thought I lost my microphone there for a minute. There it is. Put a bag over his head. A veil. It's a veil, Cubby. Just because you Cubs fans are used to putting bags over your heads in shame doesn't mean... Woo. Yeah. Father, we do love you. We thank you, God. This book, this book is absolutely amazing. I love it. I love what it has to say. Lord, I see 
I see things in it, Lord, I've never, ever seen before each time I read it. And I thank you for that, God. Father, just open our eyes, give us understanding, uh, especially, Lord, now with the war in Israel and all of the wickedness that we see go on in our country. Father, give us understanding, give us light, and help us, dear God, as we navigate through the days that are coming. We pray, God, that as you led Israel, Lord, that you would lead us into that blessed promised land. Bless your word today, we pray in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said... Amen and amen.